0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit MPBOnline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
1: Contractor ever tell you
0: oh, the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself? Some jobs just aren't that
1: difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Good morning and thanks for listening. I am Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And today we'll be talking about how we can succeed in making New Year's resolutions stick. So yesterday, on New Year's Day, you may have come up with some resolutions that likely will not survive, but today I want to explain why you can come up with a different plan that could succeed. In fact, it will succeed if you'll just follow it. So I want you to stay tuned as we step through all of this and and talk through how you can make some changes that you really hope for in the coming year. And maybe you've hoped for those changes over the last several years. But today we'll talk about that. So, Good morning, Abram. Happy New Year.
2: Happy New Year, Doc. Yeah. How are you doing this morning?
1: I am well. In this year? Yes. Um, doing doing well in this um, very long year uh, in its second day, but 2024, I think, uh, promises to be a good one. That's my plan. And I will say that I had a delightful time celebrating the holidays with my, my children and our grandchildren and my siblings and uh, so I hope everyone has had a good start to their new year but today I want us to talk about how we can not just make it a good start but make the year perhaps a little better than last year you know, we can reflect on last year and remember what happened last year, but what we really need to do is not dwell on it because that is gone, and what we need to do is figure out what next, what next for us. And so as we're talking through that, I want us to to talk probably fairly specifically about the New Year's resolutions that so many Of us make. In fact, according to a Forbes survey that was done in October of this past year, 2023, over 60% of us make New Year's resolutions. But guess what percentage fails in carrying those through?
2: I'd say of the 60%, Mm. probably like 95% of Mm. those people.
1: You're close. 90%.
2: Uh,
1: 90 percent of them fail within the first few months Mm. and i imagine 95 (laughs) percent fail before the end of the year and so uh, you're you're very very right and you know making resolutions has been a, a real custom in the united states for a long time but But actually, the very first – I thought this was interesting – the very first New Year's resolutions date back to over 4,000 years ago. Uh, And it was – they were recorded by the Babylonians who, um, in their New Year celebration, which was uh, a 12-day festival called Akitu, it was at the beginning of their spring planting in March. And so – What, what the Babylonians did back then was they made resolutions to their gods. Uh, they probably didn't resolve to save more money or exercise more or lose weight or whatever. Yeah, uh,
2: I doubt their resolution was to eat less Oreos or sugar. Uh, no, and I don't think yeah. so.
1: No, typically what they did was they pledged their loyalty to the king or to the gods. And, and they believed that these resolutions would help their crops survive. And, and so... You know, people have been pro- making promises for a long time to to try to have positive change in their lives. And you know, e- even though in the us we make a fairly big deal about New Year's resolutions, Europeans do, Asians do in some areas. And so it is something that we we many, many of human beings do. But as I mentioned earlier, for whatever reason, many of these resolutions fail. And what I thought. I think it's probably obvious why many of our resolutions fail. And Abram, you and I were talking about this right before the show, and you you said some pretty broad, st- yeah. sweeping things. Yeah, tell, tell everybody as, uh, what you said. You know,
2: yeah. to to be the most simple, you know, basic person there is. Uh, you know, my goals are to be healthier and eat better and work out more. Yeah. uh, Save better save money better so um, and you said uh, those are way too general and broad goals.
1: Yeah and that is one of the primary reasons that our resolutions fail is that that we make them too broad we make them too huge and so it's too hard and they're very nonspecific. It's like in behavior medicine, we always tell parents who are trying to get their children to behave not to say, behave, be good, act right. You give the very specifics that you want. Uh, in fact, my, my daughter did it this morning before before I left them. She said to her son, Say good morning to mommy, that's what my four year old calls me, mommy. And uh he said hello and he looked he said good morning, but he looked down at something, whatever he was preoccupied with. And she said, Look up, look in mommy's eyes, now say good morning. So very, very specific. I mean to the point, right? And so whenever we want to make a behavior change, we have to get very specific and to the point for each thing. So those those huge huge amount of resolves that we make like lose weight, eat better, need to be distilled down to to tiny baby steps so that we we don't commit too much because if we commit too much it causes too much discomfort and then we are more likely to fail and any kind of change that we make is going to cause a little bit of discomfort and so we have to remember to to set the stage so that we're not setting the stage for extreme discomfort like okay I'm going to lose weight I'm going to I'm I'm going to lose 20 pounds this year and I am which means that I'm not going to eat sweets that's my weak point I won't eat any more sweets this year okay uh, how many people can really, really stick to that? Especially if you're really tempted by that, if that is your your weak point. So, what you want to do is um, really think about this very specifically, and then be able to determine what you need to do. What did you do wrong before? What needs changing? And what are some baby steps to be able to make that change? And um, let me just talk to you, just listeners, for a minute about – Sort of the, the, when we have our desire to make changes, there are some stages to change. And the addictionologists talk a lot about this, the four stages of change. And I think we can view this as we're moving along as the way we should approach any change that we make in our lives. And so I'll just go over them real quickly. There, that's the pre-contemplative. That's where you're starting to become aware that you want to make a change. Something needs to change, okay? The contemplative means that now you're really thinking about it, okay? Um, I was kind of thinking there's something there. Now I'm distilling it down to something more specific and then the next step is the preparation. You put a plan together. We're going to talk about that plan in a few minutes. And then the action is you make the change. Okay. So pre-contemplative, contemplative, preparation and action. And if you just put all of that, all of those things sort of in, in order, then we'll be better able to order through the changes that we want to make. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, very rarely do you ever see a change that happens overnight. Um, Unless there's some big life event that happens, then it's hard to make a change. Um, But even when, like, you think about medicinally, when people try to make a change in their medicine, you know, it's it's rarely ever do you just – stop taking one pill and then go to the next pill. You kind of have to wean yourself off of one and then slowly get onto the correct dosage of another one, if that may, if, if, if you get that comparison.
1: It's a good yeah. comparison, actually. So you have to move slowly. And I think so many times we get so impatient with the need to make a change that we move too quickly or we attempt to move too quickly. And so then, we fail. And then we're discouraged. And so then nothing changes. And so as we move through the show, I want to talk more about this. I'd love for any of you listeners to jump in and talk to us about sort of how you approached things. The other thing I want to remind everybody about, though, before our break, is that once you make the change, then it's very important that you set the stage for maintenance of the change so how many how many people out there have made some great change in their life and and made a lot of things better like exercise regularly like lose that weight they want to eat the right kind of diet and then because they don't have a maintenance plan Everything goes back to the way it was. And so we don't want to do that. What we want to do is come up with maintenance. Thanks for being with us this morning on the 2nd of January 2024, a new year, a new year that many of us, again, in this other new year. Try to make New Year's resolutions, try to make some changes in our lives that will be beneficial to perhaps ourselves and to others, will improve our lives, make things better for us. But so many times, we just can't seem to get over the hump of the difficulty of getting through it. So today, we are talking about how we can do that and and what you need to do to make those New Year's resolutions stick. How, what have you done? Um, maybe talk about your successes. Maybe talk about your failures and, and how you work to overcome those. Now, before the break, I said that I was going to talk to you about – something I have recently learned. Actually, my daughter over the holidays int- introduced me to a book that many of you may have already read. It's, it's really awesome. Um, many of you have probably read it because about 15 million copies have already been sold. It's called Atomic Habits, and it's by James Clear. And I do not have any royalties in this book. I will say that because um, I wish I I wish I did. I wish I had written it because it is so so makes such incredible sense. Okay, I just think he has some spot on ideas that will help us seek to make those changes that we need in our lives um, really happen. He he actually uses some of those principles of the stages of change that, that we were talking about before the break, the pre-contemplative, contemplative preparation, action, and then maintenance. So, so let, me, let me just go through sort of the, the principles that he has. The, the framework that he uses is called the Four Laws of Behavior Change. And and he he basically teaches that there is a simple set of rules for creating good habits and breaking bad ones. And And I'm going to talk more about creating good habits rather than breaking bad ones. But I do have a couple of examples there on those bad habit breakings that sometimes need to be part of our New Year's resolutions as we're moving along. So sort of there there's some three key lessons that that in atomic habits he talks about. And one is those small changes, small habits he says makes make a difference. Small habits make a difference. And and so that's where I'm talking about those small changes make such a difference so it's it's really it's easy to overestimate the Im- importance of making humongous changes and underestimating the value of small changes so baby steps i think everybody always hears how important it is to take tiny steps little baby steps instead of making giant leaps all of the time because the baby steps are easier just like i said change can be uncomfortable it is less uncomfortable if you don't insist on making humongous changes at a time So his point is, if you can improve each day by one percent, think about what kind of change you can make at the end of 100 days, Great, Okay, whereas if you don't improve and if you continue down a negative path, if you're doing that minus one percent... For long periods of time, you can you can end up in the ditch, as I always talk about, uh, pretty pretty quickly. So, it what you need to do is focus on little bitty changes. Okay, let me give you uh, an example. Okay, Abram, you said that you were going to exercise more. Okay. Yes. That would be one of your.
2: Yes, yeah. uh, exercise more, and that's all I said about
1: it. That's all you said about it. So, there there are a couple of really really simple things that you can do uh, that are tiny baby steps that ultimately can make a really big difference. Like instead of saying I'm going to exercise more, you you say, okay, I'm going to do ten deep knee bends or ten squats every every time I brush my teeth. Okay. So if you are one of those te- people, I hope, who brush your teeth in the morning and the evening, then you've done 20 squats in a day that you probably weren't doing before. Maybe you were. But anyway, that's just a tiny example. The, the same thing can go for, I'm going to eat better, instead of saying, um, I'm going to eat better. Then say, I am going to eat one apple a day in the place of that cookie I've been eating a day. So you're not taking away calories totally. You're just substituting um, not so good calories for something better. So tiny baby steps. I'm going to keep saying that over and over again because I think we all make that mistake. I do. And so as, as you're moving along with those resolutions, put, put them in a perspective that go, you can say, that's not too uncomfortable. Pretty sure I can do that pretty sure I can do that and then if you'll write it down and these are my suggestions I don't believe they're in James Clear's book but they may be but write it on your bathroom mirror you know a sticky a little sticky note and say don't forget the 10 squats you're supposed to do or write it on a sticky note on the refrigerator Uh, don't forget apple instead of cookie you know, and and then if you decide the baby step means that you're going to have to allow yourself a cookie, at least twice a week, then do it. But but just do something. Set that in stage. Okay. the The other thing that he says is in his lesson too is don't set goals. Don't say I'm going to lose twenty pounds. Don't say that I'm going to run 10 miles by the time I've finished my workout, but focus on your system instead. Just focus on the picture of what you're doing. Goals are about the results that you want to achieve and the systems about the process. And so... I think he's dead on on this one, too. If you set up a system, it can change these habits that have been in place. And then changing of the habits, sort of changing of the guard, ends up allowing you to achieve goals that you might not have been able to do. So think of this as a systems change rather than setting uh, an ultimate goal I think it's a mindset and, and it, some of you out there may think well you're just mincing words but I don't think so I think to, to really be able to change habits you have to change systems and these habits are the things that are keeping us bogged down and not making us able to adhere to new, new Year's resolutions. I mean, let me let me give you another example. People work very hard in the day, right? They get home from work. It's five o'clock. They look at the clock and they say, okay, work's done. It's five o'clock. Um, that old, is it um, Garth Brooks, five o'clock somewhere? Um, I don't know who wrote that. But but anyway, it is 5 o'clock somewhere, and so you you go in and you say, okay, I can have a beer, or I can have a glass of wine. It's 5 o'clock. So, it's a it, habit, right?
2: It is 100% a habit. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I have a really, really bad habit of uh, when my alarm goes off, I press snooze. Um, and I could definitely, you know, I could use that time to be doing something much better, but cutting out that habit first would be a much better it'd be a good step in that right direction
1: yeah so systems change. Think about that and that, that the systems change. So if you didn't press the snooze and you jumped up from bed, you just changed the system that allowed you to have 15 minutes more that might have allowed you to do some exercise that you haven't had time to do or maybe allowed you just to have some conversation time with your wife before you have to run off to work. So I think we get caught up in that that negative system that is impairing our lives as far as making a good systems change.
2: Yeah, 100% and it's really hard to uh, uh you know break those habits when it's something that you're so comfortable with and it's something that you can kind of view as you know I I can benefit from more sleep but You know, what 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 weighs better on my mind, you know, getting 15 more minutes of sleep or, you know, getting up and going for a quick 15 minute walk.
1: Right. So many times the reason that that our our desire for change fails is because we really aren't readjusting our system. We're not making that systems change. And so to to really be contemplative uh, or contemplative, however you like to say the word, uh, but to really think through exactly what what is my barrier? Why can't I make those changes? What do I need to do? And maybe what kind of baby steps are there in the system that are getting in the way of what I'm really trying to do? Um, same thing can go for eating habits because many times our our eating habits have been set for a very very long time. We go to the grocery store, we buy the same things. Our refrigerator is packed with the same things. Our pantry has the same snacks, and so to change the system may mean that instead of talking about weight loss, the first thing you do is clean out your refrigerator clean out your pantry, readjust your shopping schedule. Some of those things as you're moving through will set the stage for a change in system and set the stage for ultimate change.
2: Yeah, and like it could be your idea, like my idea that's come to mind while you've been talking is uh, instead of buying, you know, various different types of meat to put on my sandwich i could i could buy a a, a package of spinach uh to throw on my sandwich mm. instead so it, it, it Great really example. Yeah. yeah it really is just um you know putting yourself in a better position to succeed before you actually get to the get to the moment where you're going to where you meet that resolution if that makes sense like instead of deciding that i'm going to go buy something healthy uh, at the moment of lunchtime it's putting myself in a position where i have to get up and you know make a sandwich for myself yeah. that's already healthier than something i would have bought during lunchtime
1: yeah and that's part of the the planning stage to 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 really plan and and reset your system Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress here with Abram Nanny. And today we are talking about those New Year's resolutions that are going to stick this year because you are going to do something differently this year. So we were talking about some of those bad habits, and I mentioned the 5 o'clock somewhere. And, of course, that was Jimmy Buffett. It was 5 o'clock somewhere. Of course, thanks to Charles Arnold, our call screener, who came up with that one. Um, I'm sure there are many people out there going, what? Why couldn't you remember that? Okay, so we've been talking about atomic habits in James Clear the last um, few minutes of this show and lesson one was look at small habits because they make a difference and lesson two is forget about goal setting um, and work on building your system and we'll talk about goal three in a minute because I think it's very very important but before we do that I want to go to the phones because we have brother Daniel from Pascagoula. hi brother Daniel
0: Hey, what's going on, my sister, my mother? We love you, man, know you. Thank you. Uh, well, Thank listen. <laughs>
1: Happy New Year! Some,
0: yes, forgive me. You too. I just had me some blueberry cornbread to knock out the new day. Um, it was so good. Yeah. Um, I want, I want three things. I want to hit real quick. Okay. One is I want, I want to talk to my state, my state of Mississippi. I want us to be, we've seen the past, we got a new future. And I see a bright magnolia. I see love and happiness. I see people working together no matter what your culture is. I see different recipes being changed. I see love going out and all the hate. Let, let the rest of the world have, have the hate. We're the coast. We're the most. We're the ones with the flour and the country toast. <laughs> I want us to be able to show the world how it is to come from one situation to a new situation. Don't worry and get caught up in the politics and everything else. We Mississippi, we're like gumbo and collard greens. We handle all kinds of situations, and I want us to be married this 2024. There's a lot of things going to go on. There's going to be a lot of bickering and everything. But listen, Mississippi, we the old Miss, the Mississippi State we the new team. We're going to show how the country needs to be run, how love is shared, how our <laughs> health and our health uh, programs are going to be here for the people, uh, the rich and the poor. We're going to show them how we're going to live together and change them recipes because that's what I did. My doctor told me, Dan- Brother Daniel, you're good to go. And when he said that to me, I started drinking more water, eating more cranberries, and knocking out more pomegranates.
1: All right. Well, you know, brother yeah, Daniel, yeah, you you brought up something that that is what we all need to do to make sure that when we want to make change that it really happens and and it's you are you are dead on lesson 3 or part 3 of the james clear piece so let me i'm going to interrupt you for a minute because i want to say this he says that you have to build identity based habits Now, let me explain what that means. What that means is you have to have a clear vision of what that change is going to be. And you have to have a clear vision that you are capable of that change. You have to envision who you will be. You have to see yourself as that healthier person. You have to see yourself as that kinder, more giving person. Um, ecumenical person and so it's it's really to have that vision brother Daniel that you just brought up that we are going to push through this we can do it we know we can and we have resolved that this is who we will we will be in the future not who we were in the past is one way to make sure things stick so you have to keep going back to envisioning that does that make sense yeah yes
0: yeah. and uh, one thing else is very important our children are watching our children are watching adults listen and love and show your children what it is about love and less about violence and hate amen
1: Amen. That is, and our children are watching, and it is so very, we talk about that. We as adults have got to be good models for our children. If we expect them, and we say this all the time, if we expect them not to be on their phones all the time, looking down at the dinner table at their phones, then we need to be that model of not looking down at the dinner table at our phones. If we don't know how to sit down and have a conversation, but if, like we see at airports all the time where families will be sitting together, everybody looking down at their phone doing something differently instead of interacting with each other, if that's all our kids see, that becomes the norm and so we have to envision who we are, what our identity is, what it will be, and what we need to do to make that change. So, yeah. Love y'all. Thank you so much. Uh, we always appreciate your calls, Brother Daniel. Okay. He had some great messages there. We need to to keep all of that in mind. Abram, he, he, he did... He needs to write some of these words down because the coast with the most, and I don't know the toast. He's got some,
2: he's got some mod- mottos and slogans in there that are nice. Yeah, I know that's good stuff.
1: Brother Daniel, write that down for us, and um, <laughs> you know it. It almost sounds like a, a good rap song.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: Okay, so. You know, I think the the bottom line is you really do have to believe in yourself to be able to make changes and to to make the changes that will really stick, you have to make sure that you're ready for the change. So, I think probably one of the most important things is to be Um, to think through the process of what you're going to do and to make sure that as we are coming up with our resolutions that we are making sure that there's a plan, that we really are contemplative about it, that we really are looking at what barriers have been there in the past and what changes that we can make initially that won't be very painful so baby steps like i said i've said it several times continue to take those small habits to to make the the larger change as we're moving along and i i think there's some something else i want to go through and and again this is habit reversal talk and we've talked about this before when we talk about bad habits or negative habits that we have um, perhaps with anxiety or other thought processes, obsessive compulsive disorder or individuals with tics and they can't stop it. There's a therapy called habit reversal that can be used the same thing can be used in some of the habits that are not what we would call pathologic, but just habits that we perhaps don't like. And so I want to talk about how the the feedback loop, and again, James Clear talks about this in his book, but there are many other psychologists who have talked about this in the past, sort of a neurologic feedback loop that we get into with habits so you have a, a cue something happens that creates a craving that creates a response that then is a reward you know somehow that reward happens and then it starts over so you have that cue again a craving a response and a reward and so it's a feedback loop that that continues and and that's how things get downloaded and hardwired is that they happen over and over and over again and then all of a sudden that's just what you do now i'm going to talk about something very simple but you can see how it would become an automatic habit that's in a feedback loop. So you, your lips are dry, okay? You lick your lips because your, lick, your lips are dry, right? So your, your cue is that your lips are dry. You crave to have them moistened, so you lick your lips, that's your response, right? The reward is that your lips are no longer dry. And so you fall into a loop of licking your lips because they're dry. The reward is they're moistened and then you do it again. So what so what's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with that is that continual lip licking dries out your lips. And so you get stuck in that continual loop. Now that sounds ridiculous as far as something specific, but think about it. You've probably known someone who has chapped lips or the skin all around their mouth chapped due to that obsessive compulsive need, that feedback loop. And Abram's nodding. It was I me. Could, it was, it was me
2: in high school. It oh, was really? Me. Okay. I was bad about it, real bad.
1: I I have seen many children in my practice who get into that loop. And it, it can be, you know, nail biting or skin picking or whatever, but the feedback loop. And so you have to figure out a way to be able to break that. And so we were talking a little bit, you know, we've been talking about Atomic Habits and James Clear, the book. But expanding on it a little bit um, on on how we can create a good habit or get rid of a bad habit, and why good and bad habits happen um, we were talking about the lip licking, but it can be so so many different things. The way to work toward changing these habits is to to work toward making the habits not as attractive, right? And and what he talks about in his book is to um that cue that is there to to try to make the cue something that you either that you ignore, it's somehow invisible that the craving is unattractive, okay? and that that the response is more difficult and and more unsatisfying, okay? So remember we had the cue craving response and reward. So the cue of dry lips make that not happen perhaps by using um, chapstick, okay? The craving to lick your lips, think about the fact that, ah, this looks so silly that I'm always licking my lips to the point that I have red, dry skin all around my lips. The response, make the response difficult. Now, what would that be? We've already said it's unattractive. Make the response difficult. That may be that you clench your teeth, that you lightly bite your tongue, that you pop your wrist with a rubber band, but you do something that is going to stop the response. And then, again, the the unsatisfying, the reward, delete the reward. There's no reward for this. It's only negative, okay? And so you can see how you can work toward reversing habits if you – if you break the cycle if that makes sense and i hope it does and i know there's some people out there who have something that they really want to get rid of like one of those habits that could be one of your small steps in resolution I, and i do know in addictionology when people talk about how for for people who are alcoholics or drug addicts or individuals who have problems with drugs and really want to make some changes that you have to go through the contemplative changes, um, those stages of change and be ready for it. But um, to take some very small steps, setting the stage, changing your system, changing the setup is something that you can do. That that can happen. And, and I think, to remember that, that really large changes can come from small changes, um, that you don't need to start big. And in fact, it's, it's more negative to start big. And I'll read a quote that I think um, is very good out of the book. He says, all big things come from small beginnings. The seed of every habit is a single tiny decision, but that decision is repeated. A habit sprouts and grows stronger. And so I think those are some really good words that, that if, if you, if you feed the good habit, it will grow stronger and, and become much better. And he also says the task of breaking a habit is like uprooting a powerful oak within us. The task of building a good habit is like cultivating a delicate flower one day at a time. So, Ooh. yeah, yeah, that's Ooh. pretty big. Yeah.
2: It? Yeah. Felder would be proud of that one.
1: Uh, he would. <laughs> I was thinking about Felder as as I was reading this, that that he he really, I think we can think about that to cultivate our good habits and to feed on them and i would encourage everyone out there if you are around someone who you think is working toward making a positive change in their life to reinforce it uh, let them know that you're noticing some change. You don't have to say, oh, my goodness, you are finally losing that weight you needed to lose. You can say, you look so good. You're looking really healthy. You look happier. Yeah. Say, you know, positive reinforcement is always Encouragement
2: from other people is always, like, the best way to break those habits to me. Or the best, like, when other people notice, that's what always makes me, makes you feel the best to me.
1: And so I think, yeah, to, to remember that positive reinforcement, to let people know that, that they can make, they can do it, that you're there noticing it, and that you're proud of them for it. I think we don't do enough of that for our children. Back to Brother Daniel's point earlier, is we need to make sure that we're a model. Notice the really good stuff. In, in our loved ones, whether they're, they're young ones or old ones, notice what they're doing good, what is really a positive thing, and make sure that you let them know that you're noticing and that you're proud of them and that you care for them. And I think all of that will make us all happier people and more likely to be able to make that systems change that we need to make to get rid of those small habits that we need to get rid of, right? 100%. All right. Yes, ma'am. Well, thanks so much, listeners, for being with us today. I hope you learned something and you can implement some of this in your life in the next Few weeks and months. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, and funding is provided in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and support from listeners just like you. If you'd like to hear this show again in any past episodes, you can listen to the podcast on your favorite app by searching Southern Remedy, relatively speaking. This show is a production of MPB Think Radio, engineered by my producer. Uh, abram nanny and our call screener charles arnold i'm dr susan buttress i hope you'll join us next tuesday for relatively speaking and stay tuned for npr's here and now coming up next right here on mpb think radio
0: this is an mpb think radio podcast to hear previous shows visit mpbonline.org or download the mpb public radio app to listen on your iphone or android phone on demand